Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I'm your co-host, Zach Shevich, and joining me, he's the new Doug. It's Arturo Zurita. How you guys doing? Excited to be here. Got some movies to catch up and a little bit of controversy. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. always going to get into that Ooh. controversy on Intercut. Ooh. But it's not, not just shy any away type from of controversial controversy, topics. it's DC controversy. Ooh. Ooh, that's the kind that sets the internet on fire. That's the kind I like. Yeah, so uh, we, we're going to dive headfirst into uh, the very explosive territory of the new Justice League movie mm-hmm. in just a moment. Uh, we'll also talk a bit about Quentin Tarantino's next movie and MoviePass cutting their prices yet again. But first, Art, let me know what you've been watching. You know, I want to say that I'm watching the same thing everybody else is watching, but for a superhero movie like the Justice League to make, and uh, maybe it changed, but the last time I checked, it made under $100 million. I think it's 94, 96 million, something like that. A superhero movie? Yeah, man. The Justice League? How does that make any sense? Batman alone was bringing in more money. Alone. How is this? How? For those yeah. of you who don't know, it should be like 180. The record's what? two Was 202 at one point by Avengers. Obviously got crossed. Like 218 probably, I think, is what one of the Jurassic Worlds or whatever has. I have no idea what happened here with Justice League. I think this is people still resonating from the other stuff. Uh, we're going to get into some Rotten Tomatoes talk and how that came into play to make sure that that wasn't a deterring factor. I saw it, so I'm not on speculation. I'm just telling you exactly how I feel. If you feel differently, that's good. That also means I feel differently than you. <laughs> I was disappointed, dude. Yeah, and, yeah, that seems I mean, to be... Yeah, and you know I want to... Lo- you Like, look at this. Look at this. You know I want to like it. Yeah, you're not one of those people who's going in with your, your knives sharpened no. and trying to, like, tear this movie apart. I admit, like, I, w- I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to judge qu- judge on quality, but, like, I don't really have much invested in wanting to like this movie. I know you want to like this movie, though. I want to like it. Like, it, it's so quick for me to be like, oh, you're just a hater. You just want Marvel. I, or I want both of them to do good. And DC being my go-to in comics, DC being what I've grown up with, I want it to be fantastic. And you know what? At the beginning, there are parts. There are bits in it. I know a lot of people like to smack talk Snyder and whatever, but there are moments where, like, he really dives in and, mm-hmm. like, he gives you something that it's like, yo, this is the Batman video game and what I love about it, the aesthetic to it. There was a point, because they do bring Danny Elfman's score back because there was a swap out in composers, and you're like, if you grew up with it, you just know. And you know who else in the theater knows, and there is just that connection. What superhero movies are supposed to give you, you know? That, that Civil War scene when everyone's coming together, and you and everyone else there is like, this is what it was like to play with your toys, and this is your imagination. There were points in this movie where I'm like, yo, this is Batman. Like, this mysterious figure, and, and it looks just like the Tim Burton set designs. Obviously, it's all CGI. And there's just a beauty to it, like, when they start coming together, but in between... It definitely feels like a movie where a director directed it and then somebody else came in and tried to do something different, try to add jokes. Yeah, and and that's been one of the big controversies uh, coming out of the movie, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show, uh, that the movie does feel like a mixed vision rather than a one person's vision. Uh, Yeah. But are you, so you did enjoy it in parts? Yes, like like in the beginning when you're seeing Batman alone, it's like, oh, this is really cool. When you're seeing, obviously, some of the superhero stuff happen, it's really cool. Of course, I expect it to get like CGI overload because that's what sells it to audiences, and I'm not a fan of that. 
But what I really wanted it to thrive on was the league, you know, them being friends, them coming together. And I don't know if uh, Mr. Avengers over here was supposed to fix that, but honestly, it was just like his secondhand Avengers stuff. Now, I've been saying like this is Justice League, a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And I know some people are like, no, if what you love about Marvel came from the Avengers and the guy who was in charge of like the character story arcs on all of phase two, a.k.a. Josh Whedon. And Josh Whedon is what added a lot to this movie. Then it is literally you like this is I don't think this is up for debate. <laughs> if it's the same director, yeah. it is, in fact, partly a Marvel movie. Right. If Josh Whedon is what made Marvel, this is kind of a Marvel. It's movie. at least imbued with that Marvel aesthetic because Joss is so yes. credited for Bro, this... uh, the Marvel aesthetic and the Marvel just generally exactly. like, the how they move, how, the fun energy of them. How they it's move. Josh Whedon. Now Josh yeah. Whedon is here. He gets he gets a writing credit. He directed a big chunk of it. It's this is not a debate. It's partly a Marvel movie. That's where I think the problem right. is. Right. This thing it was supposed to be dark and gritty. That's what they started it off. That was the vision. Right. Right. <laughs> it didn't just change because that's what it was going to. No, you don't start out Man of Steel, Batman v Superman. Hey, let's just and uh, then joke go around. Avengers. Yeah, yeah. You know that this is that kid who has a specific style. Goes to school wearing suits. Right. Because <laughs> that's his style. Then he gets made fun of. So now he's over here wearing hype beast stuff, and it's like, bro, yeah. I don't fit you. That's what this movie is. It's sad. That's literally what it is. I'm watching this, and it's sad because it's that kid pretending to be something that he's not. Uh, so this movie also introduced a few new heroes in uh, Aquaman, Jason Momoa, mm -hmm. Cyclops, and Flash. Who the uh, heck did, is Cyclops? Did Cyborg. <laughs> Cyborg? Oh, shoot. I, see, this is not me. This is not yeah, me. That's cool. Cyborg. Cyborg. For, Cyborg. For a second, you got me, too. I was like, who the heck is Cyclops? <laughs> so, of these yeah, yeah. Uh, new characters, did, did any of them jump off the screen at you? Can you can um, you see? I, we're getting a Aquaman solo movie yeah. with James Wan, uh, I believe, next year. But can you see any of these other guys holding up their own solo film? You want to know the funniest part about it? The person who is half human is the one that was the most relatable cyborg <laughs> the, the one like nobody even knows his name the actor's name or or literally cyborg's or name something. yeah exactly nobody knows anything about cyborg right and for whatever reason he was the one that i liked the most just because of like how he assessed the situation i don't know mm -hmm. there was something about the way they built this character there was something about how he always had this like smug look on his face like no nah, i actually have a reason to pout he kind of gave the look that the other two kept giving him Batman v Superman that made it so brooding, except his kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. But you know what sucked about it? This, this is something uh, DC keeps doing. You you look at the actor and they're performing, right? Like, yeah. oh, this bad history that I have, right? Oh, you know why I'm giving you this look. Super pouty. Oh, wait, actually you don't because they cut out your entire freaking... They filmed this. The mom for Cyborg is cast in the movie. She ain't in the movie. They cut out that stuff. entire scene. So yeah. this man is acting off of a scene you don't even know. Is it fair that I know it, right? Like, this yeah. was Batman v Superman's problem. The yeah. fans know it. You or anyone else who came in to be like, what the heck is this? I get you guys. I literally do. As someone right. who, who liked the movie, I don't think it's a master, but I, I really like the movie. I understand it. It's not fair yeah. for you guys. No, at a certain point, the movie has to function as a movie. You as can't a expect movie. everybody to have read. Homework. 30 plus comic books or yeah. seen 50 plus movie or whatever exactly. it is. Uh, uh, you know, it's, and it's a shame if the movie can't be its own self-contained thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a so problem. That, that's, that's definitely seems to be a problem. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to circle back to the stat I was trying to quote earlier. It at 96 ish million, it's the 
fourth highest opening weekend of any movie this year, which sounds okay, but when you compare it to Batman Returns in 1992, uh, made 98 million its opening weekend. That's Ooh. that's a huge, huge drop to fall when when the 90s versions of these superhero movies are more. outgrossing you. Uh, you know, we're in a whole different age with where these superhero movies are supposed to make hundreds of millions. I mean, the, I believe the production budget on this was 300 million. So uh, it's going to, we're, we're definitely going to see uh, some changes to the DC universe from here on out. But yeah. I know you watched another movie too. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the smaller film you saw. Now, for those of you who do keep up with the intercut, you know this man saw three billboards a long time ago. <laughs> we just got it over here in the Midwest and it's called Three Billboards. Outside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> Way too long of a title. Um, I think you said you had it up there. From what I know, his three movies. Seven Psychopaths still reign supreme for me. Okay. For sure. I really enjoyed this movie. A lot darker than I wanted it to be on my Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right? Like, I should have expected that. Right? I yeah. should have expected that, but I guess part of me was still... Had Seven Psychopaths and... Uh, in Bruges, in yeah. my mind. So this yeah. one caught me a little off guard, but yet know that. I cannot fault the movie for that. I wanted, mm -hmm. I was expecting a little something different. No, this thing is dark. I remember you and I talked about uh, just the whole story of it. He, she does mention Krispy Kremes. She does? Okay, yes. good. She does. Because I was... I, I wasn't so sure about yeah. that, so no, very, that wasn't unnecessary. Yes, and she does mention the 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 beating of black people as well, because that does actually play a big part into it. It's actually as really interesting when when you see the movie and then you watch the trailer and you see how the audio was cut from the com two completely different lines. You're like, mm -hmm. yo, that's some good audio cutting right there. Yeah, this is what I'll say about the movie: a lot darker than I expected it to be. Um, the scene that I think resonates the most is the orange juice scene. That goes hand in hand with uh, another scene dealing with someone reading a letter and having to learn something. Mm -hmm. um, I think the orange juice scene is just just dope in general. I like that actor. He was the one from Get Out. He can go from being super crazy and insane to like a puppy. Like like someone is like, oh, you don't deserve that. Yeah. What um, I love about the movie is, uh, and again, I only saw like one trailer by accident. I love they don't show you anything past the first act of the movie. I did not see the second act coming halfway through the movie. It is mm -hmm. a completely different movie. I'm like, movies can do this? Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, that's right. It's because this it's this isn't like some magical plot structure that other movies don't have. It's because the trailer didn't spoil that. That halfway through the movie, it becomes something completely different. And mm -hmm. then the third act it comes becomes something completely different. And characters become something. There's a thing called character development that actually happens with these characters. And even the ending of it, the way it leads it off. Is something not only to leave you thinking, but something that you were not expecting to happen at the beginning of the movie. I love the progression of the movie. I love the questions that it asks. The performances were freaking fantastic. Holy yeah, moly. Yeah, they were. Frances um, McDormand, she's she's she, my best actress front runner. She is insane in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, overall, I loved it. Uh, probably my only complaint is that uh, the Digi Boy they didn't give enough scenes. Which boy? Sam Rockwell? No, no, no. No, Sam Rockwell was also fantastic. He was, yeah. a, he was a freaking idiot. That's how good he was. I was like, this guy's a moron. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. You, you, uh, um, Peter Dinklage. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Dinklage. He does kind of have like a an oddly small role considering what a big celebrity it, it, he is. I think I read somewhere yeah. that uh, he and Martin McDonough had w been wanting to work together mm -hmm. in some capacity. So they I wonder if that was there. just kind of like this is I'm the role just, I got. I'm, you yeah. know. It's uh, just, but it's a fun little role for Pinker, Pink, Peter yeah, Dinklage fun too. Role, yeah. I'm just <laughs> saying. He had less screen time than he has feet on him, so that's. I was. I just wanted him a bit more. You just. You yeah. can never have enough Peter Dinklage, but I agree. A good movie. I agree. Recommend yeah. it. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it a lot. Um, like I mentioned on previous shows, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you said that it kind of was a little bit more serious than you were expecting. I think a lot of that is, uh, like I mentioned. Uh, unlike In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, which which both deal with heavy stuff, they both do. deal with death and moral moral consequences and stuff like that. Unlike those movies, this film feels a lot more rooted in our current climate, yeah. our current Ooh. political climate. Yes. Um, Smoothly, and, too. We talked about this. Uh, he does a really good job. It doesn't feel like a social justice warrior trying to make a movie to make a point. This yeah, and I think like, a lot of that is, is really just the Frances McDormand performances. She, she's so, like, no-nonsense. She's just to the point. And, and the, you know, the, it does help that there's a... They do a great job of ba balancing the morals in this movie, making yeah, sure you do. understand that there's good and bad to all these people, and and, and that no one's really yeah. like the hero. Uh, yeah. And and I think because of that, you're able to look at an issue like this in a more nuanced way than Blue Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter or anything yes. like that. You know, I, and uh, I hope that people are able to get into real discussions on the issue through this movie and and maybe in a way that's a little bit more accessible than uh the way that it's presented on the news thousand percent so, yeah three billboards is an excellent excellent film uh for me i've seen a couple movies recently i caught up with uh guardians of the galaxy 2 which i kind of didn't really enjoy hey um i'm with you you know like it seemed like a lot of the same uh, I felt really predictable in the way that the first one wasn't predictable at all. Yes. Um, it, and it, I think it falls into the trap of when you make a sequel, you have to balance, do give me everything that I liked, but give me something different. And it was mm -hmm. a lot more of give me something that I saw before. Give me, give and, me the same thing again. And you liked the first one. I did. I love the first one. See? Uh, I, I was a huge, huge fan of it. It's might even still be my favorite movie in the uh, Marvel uh -huh. Universe. In so that fact, shows you how much the second one. Yeah. In fact, um, I saw another Marvel movie, which is now my favorite since I saw Guardians hey. of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok. There you go. Uh, we talked a lot about it last week because you had seen it, but uh, I'm glad to have caught up with Taika, Taika Waititi's movie. It's really charming and fun. I, I think it does a lot of... Uh, the way that Guardians of the Galaxy was so unexpected, I think this is carrying that energy in a really fun way. Um, I, I love certain beats when uh, you expect a heroic moment and they undercut <laughs> it. There, there's lots of, you know, yeah. the dramatic music builds and then somebody gets flattened or, or hit yes. in the face. And I, I love moments like that, especially when they're as well-timed as uh, Taika Waititi does in this film. Uh, but it was also great to see, you know, I'm someone who doesn't necessarily uh, compliment Marvel all the time. I'm not mm -hmm. like a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe You're and fascist. having yes, yes, the, yes. the idea of, oh, you got to see all these movies. But I, 
this was the, one of the first times that I really, really did enjoy the fact that this feels like a full universe that you're just sort running of taking into people. This, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a moment in this movie where Scarlett Johansson appears as a recorded message on a screen, which oh, yeah, was yeah, yeah. from a previous movie. Yeah, like no, it wasn't I, even. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's from. It's uh, not even Ultron. Yeah, it's not even new material, but just the fact that she's there and you know what her significance is and it's it ends up being kind of a crucial plot point, yes. it's kind of cool, you know? That and, is cool. And, at least because I have some knowledge going into it, the fact that Tony Stark is a character in this movie even though he doesn't appear because his ship is there. Uh, his and, clothes. The fact that his clothes just show how Tony Starkish it is. Mm -hmm. Clothes? I mean, it's, it's just a really cool... Now that we're getting so far into the universe, it, it lets you it lets you tell these stories in a little bit different of a way. You know, you can t you can use these people as archetypes, and you can mm -hmm. use these people as touchstones for one another. And uh, I'm excited when they find these kind of fun novel ways yes. to connect it. You know, the the way that Doctor Strange is kind of just a small part of the beginning of the movie. Yes, it's it's a really really cool uh, development in the Marvel movies, and as long as it doesn't make me need to have seen all of them, I'm going to be for it still. Like you get the point of it. See, and this is, and you're not, you're not the superhero fan, so for you to like it, that's like, that's dope. That's, that's why I appreciate it. Especially, and I like that Marvel's doing this, bringing in all of these like indie directors and people like that. Yeah. Because uh, Taika Waititi, like, that's not just like a good person to bring for a suit. That's a good person to do for anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, they, they need to just keep grabbing these great filmmakers. Yeah. I mean, it, people are so hype on Black Panther and, you know. Oh, I am. Everybody, so everybody just yeah. loves Ryan Coogler, and um, it, it, if you love Ryan Coogler, like give that dude that exactly. movie, and you might get uh, some movie as as hyped as Black Panther is right now. What did you think of Korg, who Taika Waititi played in the movie The Rock? Ma the I, I kind of loved him. Um, he is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, all my, my friends and I—that's all we talk. Hey man, hey man, you want to hey come? You want to come hang out? <laughs> that Australian stereotypes, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's the new Doug. Um, they, I, pr pretty much yes. Yeah, I I, I really I really enjoyed uh, Quirk. It, it, I I I just think Taika has got a really great sense of humor. If you've seen his other films, then uh, you know there's a lot of the same sensibility. Watch that what we like do in the shadows. Awkward Watch dryness. It. Yes, yes, yes. If if you take anything from our conversations, it's check out what we do in the shadows. You've already we seen, are both huge. You've already huge fans seen Thor. Like that's the best part about Thor two, or Thor three. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about Thor is that it will get people to now watch indie movies because we know a lot of people are always like, yeah, but I don't know. Is it worth my time? Boy, you binge watching shows you've seen three times. You know what right? I'm talking about? But watch now that you've stuff. Exactly. Now that you've seen that he can entertain you, give those other ones a shot because they're insane. Yeah, absolutely. We move on to Yay or Nay, the segment where we look at the latest happenings in the entertainment industry. Let's go. Variety has reported that, I believe it's Paramount, is contributing $100 million plus to the next Quentin Tarantino film after the filmmaker's departure from the Weinstein Company. We previously talked on this podcast about the possibility that the movie would be about Charles Manson, the very recently deceased cult leader in I, I, what feels like viral marketing, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the gang, the 
cult leader whose gang went on a killing spree in the late 60s is not actually the center of the film. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more generally about the year 1969, and those murders play a role in the background. We learned a little bit more about the film uh, this week in that it's going to be centered around a TV actor uh, who's okay. getting a new pilot in 1969, and it's going to be very much about the culture of the era. We also Still. learned... Uh, we also learned that Deadline is saying Tom Cruise is in talks for a role. Holy People like smokes. Margot Robbie and Leonardo DiCaprio are potentially attached. Art, yay or nay on all these updates making you more excited right. for the new Tarantino film? Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about this when we, we said that he was going to make one on the Manson murders, and I was a little iffy on that one. The sound news changes. I was a little iffy because I had brought up Pain and Gain, making mm -hmm. a movie about people who were victims... And their families are still alive. Right. This news, now it gets me excited. I'm like, there's no way. You know, like, Quentin Tarantino, his movies are detestable. I don't want to say he is. So that idea yeah. was a little crazy. Mm -hmm. um, this makes so much more sense. Like, uh, covering the Manson murders would be, like, insane. I definitely want to see that because it's just intriguing because of how it's it's something that was real, but it's so insane that it happened, especially after watching Mindhunters. I'm just waiting mm. for season two because I know eventually they... Uh, you've seen it, right? You've seen Mindhunters? I'm, I'm only halfway through, but oh, I... Fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's like covering that would have been would have been really good, but knowing Quinn Tarantino, it's like... Ooh, now seeing that he's covering the culture? Yeah. That's... Oh, and then I, I, I keep forgetting that Wine, him and Weinstein were like... Well, with the company... I completely, with everything that, the whole fallout, like you're bringing it up that he's got somebody else after thing with the yeah, white Sony, like, actually, I, I made a mistake, yeah. is the one who picked up the movie. Yeah, well, whoever did, uh, thank you, because, thank you, Jeebus, because <laughs> the thing is, I think uh, his last one to get 100 mil was um, Django. Um, what was the one, like, just, Hateful Late, I believe, yeah. only got 50, if yeah, I'm not mistaken? I, yeah, I, I believe it was Doesn't a need little... It. Other than the stars and that uh, freaking guitar that they broke, that was an yeah. actual prop. But uh, yo, when I love Django, like Django is my favorite. I don't think it's his best. I know the difference mm -hmm. between best and my favorite. So if if he's able to just go full on into it, that cast, yeah, just the entirety of the culture of that time in general, Charles Manson to add some craziness to it, <laughs> giving Tarantino that a hundred mil. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I was like you, uh, nervous about the idea of him handling real tragedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, he's not somebody much for subtlety. But I heard this movie explained, uh, or I read a, a, a description online, that to call this movie about Manson would be saying that Inglorious Bastards was a movie about Hitler. And, and that makes it feel mm. a lot more... I, I feel like I get the idea. That's perfect, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I'm going to reluctantly switch to a yay. I mean, like, I'm excited to see Tarantino kind of expand what he does. Uh, this isn't necessarily going to be the kind of film we're used to seeing from him. His period pieces are usually much more period than this. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, experimenting in, in, I mean, he's clearly influenced by 60s, 70s culture extensively yeah, yeah. in his movies and his art. So it'll be cool to see what his commentary on the era is. I'm a little bit hesitant just because of the whole, like, 
living in this era of fake news, do we need a movie where, you know, he shotguns Charles Manson in the face instead of Mm -hmm. Hitler this time? He's one of our most interesting filmmakers, though, so I'm just excited to see him experiment in this whole era and with that big of a budget as well. Many of the Zack Snyder faithful are upset with the final cut of DC's recent release, Justice League. Even the devoted followers of the movie can't help but notice that the final product feels like a combination of Zack Snyder's vision, Joss Whedon's vision, Warner Brothers' vision. So fans have collected over 60,000 signatures on a change.org petition to force Warner Brothers to release a director's cut of the recent blockbuster art. Are you yay or nay on Warner Brothers releasing Snyder's cut of Justice League? Do change.org petitions actually ever come true? I think sometimes, but I'm pretty sure that's like a government thing, and I, I don't think the government can tell Warner Brothers what to what do. What to do, yeah. <laughs> Force Warner Brothers what to do. Um, they have to make DVD sales. There's going to be some extra cut. No need yeah. to sign a petition. Just wait. Yeah. But y'all want to be on the news. I get it. Y'all want to have something to talk about. And uh, news articles need something to direct traffic to because Justice League and these big movies make the most money. I'm not, I don't really care for it. I'm going to mm-hmm. say nay in the sense of even the ultimate cut would be incomplete because of the circumstances. He had to leave because of his daughter's suicide. Yeah. Um, so I know there was a, a little percentage that's not even there. I believe he filmed like 80 to 85%. Here's a kicker for you. He filmed 80 to 85% of the movie. That, that's that's a lot of the movie. There was yeah. still 15% left, right? Uh, yeah. That's when Josh Whedon came in and he did his thing. So for the people saying that it's impossible, like the producer saying, no, 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 this is Zack Snyder's vision. Josh Whedon only had like 15 to 20% of the movie to uh, complete. So... Like, seriously, how much change can 15 to 20% of the movie do? Yeah. Now, that was from a producer, and that's what really worries me. Like, we already know. Producers are producers. But that kind of saying, what can 15 to 20% of a movie actually do? Okay, turn off the movie with 15 to 20% still left to go. Right. In the beginning, in the middle, in the end. And what people forget is that it's not just like a 15, 20-minute scene. It is literal endings to scenes. It is literal just snippets. It is literal reactions. That's mm-hmm. the whole debate that still goes on between the final cuts of Blade Runner, right? Right. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's it called? The ultimate cut of Batman v Superman that not only added scenes, but just literal just a minute or 30 seconds more to scenes. Mm-hmm. Extra just cutaways that add a lot to characters. Yeah, I mean... It's sad. I, you know, when we... When you look at a film and, and when you try to, when you're working on a film, it is really small moments that can yes. make a huge difference. Just the the way c- scenes end, the way scenes are cut, changes oh, pacing yes. and changes energy. So, Motives. You know, it, it's totally possible that a Snyder cut would feel completely, completely different. That being said, you know, I don't. Are are we going to release like the like that bootleg Wolverine version of the movie or something? He didn't yes. finish the movie. Yes. You know, like it's it's at a certain extent. Like, I'm sorry, but you know, there was these tragic circumstances there around. There is that. no cut. That's what people don't get. That's why yeah. I think this thing is is uh, uh, buffoonery at its finest. Right. What cut you for? So first of all, for it to be his cut, that means he has to come back and work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Come back and work on something that one he wasn't able to finish. 
he does not have 50% of his footage. Two, back to a scenario that has to call back to something that he had to leave. You, you get what I mean? Like emotionally. Yeah, yo, yo, that's sick, dude. Yeah, I, it just, it's a really weird uh, request. Yes. And it's it definitely done from a place of not knowing about how films are made. I mean, they're, part of the petition requests that they uh, change the score back to the Junkie XL score from the Danny Elfman score, but that, you know, it, it, that's an interesting one. But again, like that, you know, we don't know how finished either score is. Exactly. Or you can it, just it's hop like, it back in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like a it's like a flipping of a switch or something. All that being said, I think it'd be cool to see like more of these things happen like when you know i've heard that sean penn's original cut of into the wild was four hours long like i'd love for that to be on the dvd mm -hmm. uh, and, and stuff like that but you know the the cut has to exist for them to put it on a dvd yeah for one two uh i get what you're saying i think that's really cool but the problem with having like extra cuts, I would love for that to be a thing, right? But in order for there to be extra cuts, then that means that they're probably dumbing down. That's just that's just how it is. That means they're dumbing down whatever the theatrical cut is. Now in yeah. scenarios like that, like Django's five hour cut, that four hour cut, Blade Runner's, well, I think that was also a five hour cut. Yeah. I'm cool with those because it's just in a sense a reduced version right. of the movie that obviously needs to come out in theaters. It cannot be five hours long, but for scenarios like that where there's just extra material, sure. But like the thing with Batman v Superman is that they altered things. Like, the thing yeah. with Rogue One is like they altered things. Like the thing with this one is that they altered things, and it's like yeah, directors came in and changed the vision. This and, yeah, and, and movies this ain't aren't Battlefront one too? person. Movies also aren't one person's product. Like that's what we have to keep in mind too. It's not yeah. It, it's Zack Snyder would have had a lot of the same influences on him that Joss Whedon did. Uh, so who knows how different the cut would have been. Yeah, just do you, you want to mention at all uh, the situation with the Joss Whedon tweet? Should, yeah, is that right. yeah, let me cover that Josh Whedon stuff right now. All right, so for those of you who don't know, Josh Whedon's just come back. Uh, that is a personal opinion, it, it, my thing. And this is something from, I really like his stuff. Like, I have been waiting to just have, I don't know, a staycation type thing where I just binge watch a couple of shows that I've never binge watched before. Buffy. Buffy the Vampire being one of those because I definitely believe it's one of uh, the most culture waving type of shows that's out there and like a lot of people quoted it it's, you know he's it's, yeah. really influential as a writer especially yeah, in dialogue yeah most definitely exactly so it's like I definitely looking forward to that I like Avengers eh, I don't really care for uh, the second one too much but yeah. the big thing with it is that I hate when this happens they say never meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you I hate and this happens all the time specifically for music but like seeing how much of a baby he is on Twitter He's that dude who, like, will say something and it's either super ignorant or it's just not funny. Then people mm -hmm. go, like, bro, that's super ignorant or that's just not funny. And he gets mad at them. Oh, you don't understand. I'm leaving Twitter. And he does that repeatedly. And that's so obnoxious. Yeah. Especially when you then see it professionally. Uh, oh, Avengers 2 wasn't what I wanted it to be. It was, it was a complete, oh, I hate it. Like, no, yeah, no problem. Like, I, I get the difficulty of it, but it's like, bro, you're complaining a lot. Like, I'm seeing an article every single week that's not speculating. It's quoting you, talking about, like, oh, I had to end it with him not saying assemble because I wanted it to be really cool when he, when, uh, what's his name? Captain America just says, Avengers, and then I had to cut it because, you know, producers are so annoying. They're so annoying in Marvel. And I'm like, bro, stop complaining. Now he's at DC, and I'm seeing it, like, do you really like that boy? 
or is he just a rebound because you got dumped? You get what I mean? Right, right. So yeah, the, like he, it's a lot of just sort of burning bridges and pettiness. It feels like, and thank and, and you. Not and just let some bygones be guy bygones. I, exactly. I think. You know? Yeah. Uh, so again, so, this is from a fan's perspective. This is just how it seems, right? Yeah. But I would like to think y'all are rich, especially when you're dealing with the biggest movies. You would have a better publicist unless you right. really are that person and you don't care. The tweet you mentioned was uh, something in where someone tweeted out <laughs> that yeah, Joanna the, Robinson, I believe, tweeted yes. out something that was criticizing the villain uh, in Justice Shattenwolf or what, what is it? What is it? It name? should be Shattenwolf. It is named Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, saying that he's as bad as the meme villain from uh, Thor Two. You know, the Almighty Malekith, who he's a joke. Uh, saying that he was as bad as that as him. Now, here's the thing. I endorse that tweet 1,000%. She is she's right. She really is. I, I'd retweet that more than once if I could. Problem is, though, if you're working on the movie, especially when you're the one who is helping a friend, like literally, supposedly a friend who's going mm -hmm. through something difficult, why would you like that knowing that unless it's your fault for Steppenwolf, which supposedly it's not, you're saying that your friend's product sucked and he's grieving over there and you came in to help him. Yeah. Anyone can say that it's terrible. It's but a really you, bad look. You can't. You guys are literally not only friends, you're business partners, dude. This is still your movie that you're working on. And yeah. then, like, you not getting the director's credit, I don't know whose idea that is. You not doing the press, I'll side with you and say that it's because you don't want to overshadow, uh, what's his name? But, I don't know. The changes that you made to his movie, it kind of seems like Snyder, it's because yeah. you didn't get the final product you wanted it to be. And that's a little, yeah. like... Because as we said, and as all of us are observing, this feels like two visions tugging at each other. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you, like you said, you don't have to disagree with the sentiment to disagree mm -hmm. with the action. And it, it exactly. just seems like a stupid, petty thing. It's and this is part of the consequence of uh, being a celebrity on Twitter is mm -hmm. you sometimes maybe overshare a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, more bad news on top of the bad box office for Justice League is another listless performance from Ben Affleck. <laughs> continues to draw attention and rumors of his possible departure from the franchise, with the latest rumors surrounding the idea of Jake Gyllenhaal assuming the role of the Caped Crusader. This is kind of funny to me because Jake Gyllenhaal was originally rumored to take over for Spider-Man back when Tobey Maguire was negotiating for more money on Spider-Man 2, like over a decade ago. I mean, uh -huh. He's still the go-to replacement superhero. But uh, Art, are you just yay or nay in general on the idea of Batfleck being replaced? in the Justice League going forward. No. One, I'm just going to say, don't talk to Jake. We talked about this when we were talking about, like, uh, the who's going to be the Star Wars director. I don't want Jake involved. Like, Jake's my favorite actor. That's... Yeah. I've always said this. Jake is my favorite actor working today. I don't want him anywhere near this. I really yeah. don't want him on a franchise. I, I really... I've always said that the reason he doesn't get enough recognition is because he doesn't have that franchise that everybody else has. Like but I it allows him to do all these awesome movies. Exactly. And, but I do hate that he doesn't have a franchise. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather him not get that so I can keep him for myself. Um, but I'm any actor... Like, like forget Gyllenhaal. W are, you, are you against the idea of replacing Ben Affleck? Marriage is a sacred union... <laughs> And this contract that Be that Affleck was supposed to get with this is his sacred union, and he can't complain now that he just wants to leave. He knows what he was getting himself into. You know who has the writing credits on this movie? Chris Terrio. You know who Chris Terrio is? 
Oh, isn't that his, like, boy? Yes, his boy who literally has to rewrite things if Ben Affleck is meant to be in the movie. So what is he complaining about? You know what I mean? Like, I would get it if he was someone like Gal Gadot who came into this movie, right? And now she's making requests saying, I refuse to work on these movies if Brett Ratner is a producer right. or something on them because of his history and I will not support that. No, uh, you don't like the fact that everyone's making fun of you, the sad fleck, all these other things. You got to man up. If your boy is writing the movie, if you mm -hmm. were giving the opportunity to creatively direct something and then you stepped down because it was too much pressure and no one paid attention to my last movie. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that interview? He yeah. was really upset because this is about Live at Night. I still haven't seen or Live by Night, whatever it was yeah. called. Um, I think Ram really liked it, though. Who? Ram. Good for him. Good for Ram. Yeah, but Ram, here's the thing. Ram doesn't even like this new one. And Ram's yeah. a boy who, who, who adores Justice League or Batman v Superman. He didn't even like Justice League. And that's the issue. Yeah. You are 1,000%. When I, you see it in the trailers. Dude, in the movie, it's like you want to look at the screen and just be like, <laughs> wink for help if you need yeah. help. He so, so why, doesn't want to be there. That's why I'm going, yay. Like, get him out of there. He does. If he doesn't want to be in the movie, get someone who does want to be in the movie. You know, I guess, but no, he just needs to we, grow up. What do we talk about when we talk about what is the best superhero movie of this whole generation? I'd say like 70% of people, 70% yeah. of people will go with Dark Knight, right? A lot of people will, yes, yes, yes. You know what we don't talk about? That they replaced Katie Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal in that movie. Who's like, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it just works because the movie works. And it worked better because Maggie Gyllenhaal is a better actress than Katie Holmes. What, like, is, let's just, what, was, what was Maggie Gyllenhaal's role? Rachel Dawes? You say that with a question mark. Uh, still, my point I'm, still I'm stands. Not a, exactly. There's a big difference. No, it is. You actually did get it right. But the difference is Rachel Dawes, Batman. I, like, I see that. I mean? But I just, yeah. But do, how does it help any future Batman movie to have such a bored performance at the center of it. Like maybe I've heard some rumors of like, are maybe they can age Affleck up and have a Batman forever, whatever kind of. No, actually, my biggest thing is I don't know how you would do it, but I hope they do because I think they're doing this with the Joker. I think the Batman solo movie, since Batman right now is supposed to be like I don't know, Hugh Hefner's age, he's like sixty or something. Yeah. Have it be a, a 19, 20 year old Batman just starting up. Right. So you can recast. You'll have to find someone like Ben Affleck. I don't care. Do it. You found someone who looked like Han Solo. Find someone who looks like Ben Affleck and have that be the franchise. Just take it off. All yeah. those movies. Because there's a plan. That's why they did Batman v Superman. It was a mistake because not everybody knows. But I've said this multiple times. <clears throat> Batman v Superman, when you finally collect the entire DC collection, that's the last one. That's mm -hmm. the last one. <laughs> you're supposed to watch all the other ones before you get to that one. Um <laughs> I say cast somebody else. Oh, yeah, what you're saying. Batman Beyond it. Just bring somebody else new in because right, it, it ain't right. working. Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like he's that would be the smarter solution, I don't care. He's got to stay. <laughs> you're, you're keeping him ball and chain? Uh, he's committed. I don't care. you got to stay. Uh, uh, one last Justice League story. There has been a bit of controversy surrounding the idea of how the film shoots its women, particularly... Uh, Gal Gadot, the mm -hmm. Gal Gadot, the star of Wonder Woman, who plays a part of the Justice League. A lot of people are noting that it she's depicted a bit differently here, just visually, than she was in her own solo movie, which was uh, directed, of course, by Patty Jenkins, a woman, not the men who were at the helm of Justice League. There was also this. Uh, meme going around the internet, which we were discussing earlier, yeah. Art and I, uh, of the 
Amazonian women from Wonder Woman who the Sports are Illustrated m- model uh, who are much shoot. more fully clothed than the Amazonian women in Justice League. Uh, Art, are you yay or nay on the way the movie has approached its female characters? You know what? I'm actually nay about it. We were talking about this before the show. We brought up, I, for one, if you see my videos, if you know me in general, all this talk about like the, the, the one where the Amazonians aren't wearing, it's just a bra or whatever, that was in the first one. All of you guys trying to, no, like I'm, that makes sense. Like you want yeah. to train like that. All this thing about the uh, sexualization or whatever, y'all are okay with Jason Momoa not wearing a shirt. <laughs> Superman, spoilers, he's in this movie. You idiots, he's in the, also in the poster. Right. Uh, yeah, so he comes out in this movie. He doesn't wear a shirt for like 30 minutes, like straight up 30 minutes. It's just a chest hair just right there chilling and all. That's not a problem. But I will say this. It is very noticeable what they do to Wonder Woman. As for one who's very much like, you stop your complaining. I can tell that what you're doing right now, it doesn't really go hand in hand with like an actual point. It seems you're just complaining to complain. I am with them on this. That says a lot. So so can you, for me, I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Is, is it... Is it the way? Is it the angle? Okay. I've heard a lot of butt shots. Ooh, okay, so the thing is, when you see the trailer, there's, like, scenes where she's fighting and she does, like, this twist move. Everyone mm-hmm. keeps using that, like, oh, you can see the butt. It's like, okay, I can stand up right now and turn around. That's not a butt shot. It's just I have a butt that's going to yeah. get in the shot. Uh, <laughs> that same, like, twisting around, like, kicking someone is in Wonder Woman. This is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. We got to learn to separate these things. There's some people who overhype things. They're going to say that. No, there are legit shots where you follow Batman, as you would. Mm. I, I like to call it the only God forgives shot, the shoulder shot, where you follow someone mm. from the shoulder as they go and they meet up with somebody else. The men get it from the shoulders. She gets it from the booty. Right. And it follows her butt up. Uh, perfect example, and I kid you not, this is exactly the scene. Go back to Fast Five. There is a scene where they need to get intel from somebody. Fingerprints or whatever it is. And they're like, obviously this takes place like, uh, I want to say it's in South America. And she's like, I'll do it. Or they're like, how are we going to get it? And she's like, I'll do it. Because Gal is in that movie. And she takes off her whatever. And she's in her bikini. Shows her butt. And it follows her butt to the guy. She's a, She was a model before all this. There's nothing right. wrong with that. So you extremists were saying, no, she doesn't respect women because she can't even respect herself. Y'all need to chill. Y'all right. can't praise her for Wonder Woman and then say it's her fault here. No, 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 no. It is not her yeah, fault. The difference it, is exactly. in the characters. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. character in Fast and Furious was meant to be seductive. Y'all have not set up the character of Wonder Woman to be that, especially after the work that Patty Jenkins did. And then I don't want to blame Zack Snyder. I want to blame Josh Whedon, again, because he did the same thing to Black Widow in, in mm-hmm. Ultron, to come in and shoot her from that perspective. This is from a man. I ain't going to complain about it because Gal Gadot is beautiful, all right? Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying Pleasant here is at. that it does not make any sense. Right, right. And it just... You, you notice the difference, especially because we have this other movie to, so to compare her to. So out of character as well. Yeah, so I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm hoping uh, to. I'm hoping that it's something that they note going forward, especially given how magnetic Gal Gadot's presence has mm-hmm. been. And I, I enjoyed Wonder Woman a lot. So, yeah, uh, it, I think it's cool that we're talking about this stuff. I get. I agree, though. It's good when we can separate what's what's really. Yeah. Yeah, the there's from one. What's yeah. Just she wears like continuity. a dress. Yeah, there's like a dress, and they're like, "Oh, that shows." All. I'm like, yeah. no, "Bro, that's just a dress." Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but there are the, the actual shots when it follows her. It's, it's legit. Like, this ain't a fast. We we're just talking about mixing tones. I'm looking at. It, I'm like, this ain't a Fast and Furious movie. That right. does not make any sense. 
All right, we are almost out of time for yay or nay, so we're going to go to the rough cuts. A Super Mario Bros. animated movie is in the works at Illumination Entertainment Art. Yay oh. or nay on the Despicable Me team being the right match for the Mario Bros. No, why'd you have to hit me with that one? I was so yay. <laughs> I'm one of the very few who even likes that, the really bad old one. Ooh, I'm going to have to say nay right now only because mm -hmm. this, this <laughs> it can change. Uh, nay right now because I don't know what they're going to do with them. I'm going to surprise myself and say yay. In my opinion, the minions are among the most annoying creations put on this planet yes. in, the, in this millennia. But I don't really see the Mario games as a good visual match for the types of stories that like Pixar tells or DreamWorks Entertainment True. tells. I think in the Despicable Me kind of cartoonish way, like maybe... Maybe this works. And I don't like myself for thinking that. You don't um, even believe it. <laughs> Paramount <laughs> wants Taraji P. Henson to star in What Men Want, revisiting the Mel Gibson movie What Women Want from a female perspective. Art, yay or nay on this premise? Uh, okay, on the premise. Yeah, sure. Okay. Taraji P. Henson's in a lot of things. And here's my issue with it. And actually, well, I'll change it to no. Um... I want Taraji P. Henson to get her own roles. I don't want her to keep doing the black version of John Wick, which seems to be coming out. You know what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Right, or right. The, just the black female version of something. I get it. There's no problem. And I hope those movies are good. But while I don't. this is a hand-me-down of a Mel Gibson movie. I don't want you to have a hand-me-down. Create your own thing. It's not bashing you. It's literally wanting you to... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so... That Mel Gibson movie came out at a time when our, our gender politics were a bit different and wow. a lot less nuanced. I've never and seen it, so I don't know what it is. I've only seen reruns on cable and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. You, you saw know, last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I researched for this. And, and But it's, you know, I think I just don't see how this premise is going to hold up w unless you get a really smart writer on it. I like Taraji P. Henson, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm with you. Like, I'd like her to have a more interesting, unique uh, kind of film. Are they trying to birth of a nation it? <laughs> is that what they're trying to do? Make a new one to overshadow it? All Maybe. Right. Uh, Movie Pass cut its prices to $6.95 from its previous mm -hmm. $9.95 monthly price. Uh, I'm pretty pissed about this because I just paid for my MoviePass account about a week ago. Art, yeah. yay or nay? Nay, don't do it. Here's the thing. The 9.95 is still there. The point is that if you want to pay 9.95, guys, that's already ridiculous enough. I, I see that you're upset. Don't. If one ticket price already pays for it, don't worry. Let's not get too greedy. Take your freedom. The difference is, is that if you want to pay it monthly, which allows you to be able to quit at any single point in time, it's $9.95 a month, which again, one ticket pays it. The $6.95 a month isn't necessarily monthly. What they want you to do is pay for the entirety up front. That right. way you're, you're stuck with them in this contract, but that means you cannot leave. And the, the issues that they have for you leaving is that they're going to make you pay for every single movie that you watch. So if you use it so much, let's say during the summer or whatever, and the winter comes and you don't go out at all, but you saw like a buttload and you're like, oh, I don't want to pay the rest of it no it ain't worth it and and any little changes that they do you're stuck in a contract if you really want to save the three dollars a month I, go for it i don't see it as being like the worst thing in the world i like my freedom nine dollars is already cheap enough go for that i guess three dollars is worth the price to pay for freedom i just kind of feel bad at the timing about it all so i'm gonna go yeah. nay and the incredibles 2 teaser trailer dropped uh the movie that is 14 years in the making at least 
uh, is going to be out early next year. Art, yay or nay on this bit of footage we're getting? Uh, I saw it in an accident because somebody else uploaded it and said this was you a You really have cool that animation. no trailer watching policy. Yeah, exactly. So I'm watching this. I was like, this looks like the Incredibles. Oh, it is the Incredibles. I'm cool with it because, uh, as we were talking about, it is not actual footage from the movie yet. Yeah. It is, is they created something extra. And when animations can do that, you know, <laughs> animations, they animated extra footage they didn't need to. Just makes me wonder why live action movies aren't doing that to not spoil their movies if they don't know how to cut their trailer and show anything from the halfway point. I liked it. Yeah, I'm going to go yay too. We've talked about this before. When a trailer can find a way to not spoil actual footage from the movie and still get you intrigued, yes. that's a good thing in my opinion. I'm for it, and I'm definitely for Incredibles too. I'm excited to uh, check that film out. We move on to our topic of the week, and this week, it's a doozy. Rotten Tomatoes is a big touchstone, a big controversial point in the film world. Uh, right now and always, uh, it seems to always find itself at the center mm -hmm. of controversy, given that it is the go-to source for figuring out what the general critical consensus is on a film. Uh, the most recent iteration of the of these issues is around Justice League. Now, Justice League or Warner Brothers DC Universe fans, I should say, uh, in the past have have spoken out against Rotten Tomatoes, called them biased, called them uh, called the site it, it basically put the site it, it accused the site of some nefarious actions to nefarious, yes. plummet the scores uh -huh. of different DC movies from Batman v Superman to Suicide Squad and more. Uh, just the fe general feeling that Rotten Tomatoes hasn't given those movies their due. This is a little weird because Warner Brothers oh, is one owns, of the companies yes. that owns Rotten Tomatoes. Doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Uh, but the most recent move that Rotten Tomatoes has done to combat this is they did not release the tomato score, the critical consensus score for Justice League publicly on the Rotten Tomatoes page until the Friday of the film's release, until after the midnight crowds had already been able to watch it. They uh, revealed it on a Thursday on a new show they're developing called See It and Skip It. It's called Dookie uh, is what it is, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just the latest move in Rotten Tomatoes' attempts to appease people upset with its general process art. What are your feelings on the delaying of tomato scores? Uh, do you think this is a good thing, bad thing, or an awful thing? All right, so we're starting with that one. Delaying, do, am I talking about the show or just the idea of delaying the Rotten Tomatoes? Just the idea of delaying the All tomato right. scores. It's idiotic. What are you talking about? If you are doing that, you are now hyping up your score which you always fall back on. Oh well, it's just it's just a consensus thing. We don't we don't we don't, we don't really have any responsibility or whatever. Go okay, okay, then don't do this. Nah 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 nah. Right. nah you can't see the score. What do you right. no? You're you're um, actually it's, explain real quick what it is because some people still don't understand Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and this is the thing that always 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 bothers me. I tweeted about how this bothers me just the other day. Uh, if a movie such as Justice League gets a forty percent score on Rotten Tomatoes. That means about two out of five critics liked the movie. That's pe people don't know math. People don't know math. Yeah. People think that because something is less than 50%, or even if it's got like a 55% and Rotten Tomatoes gives it that not fresh rating, that splat, that tomato yeah. splat, they assume, oh, all the critics hated it. That's no. not what that score means. Yeah, in fact, I think the 55% ones are the most interesting because that means 
half of the people didn't like it. The other half didn't. Yo, what the heck is this movie about? And which pers- on which side am I? Those are the most intriguing ones, usually, for the most part. Um, they're a gamble, but they're cool. It's like a Reddit yeah. 50 for 50. What you going to get? <laughs> I'm okay with it. The whole, the way that it works, it's weird because it, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as, you know, it's like nine out of ten doctors. Okay, right. whatever. But I prefer actually seeing the average score as opposed to how many. But for this idea of releasing it later, what's the point of it? Yeah, I mean, so the idea, I believe, in releasing it later is if peop- if general audiences don't see the score, they won't use that to decide whether or not to go to the movie. Mm-hmm. That that's didn't what, really seem to help Justice League this weekend. Right. Uh, if that's what they're <laughs> right. contending. <laughs> the first episode, this whole, the first test of this, did already failed that. Yeah. So, what, so what, what was their second reason for doing this? Just, I don't, to promote, and, see it, skip it? Exactly. So already you can tell this is a complete failure. Literally, yeah. this isn't, no, it already failed. The big issue with this is that Rotten Tomatoes, let's be completely honest, all these people who keep talking about like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes was affected. Shut up. Um, <laughs> Boyhood did not make bank at the box office and that had 98%. I can tell you a lot of movies that have 98, even 100%. I thought Rotten Tomatoes is supposed to help that. For, forget Boyhood, an indie movie like that. What about Mad Max Fury Road? That Mad is Max a Fury blockbuster movie. Hey, hey, what about all the Transformers movies? <laughs> right. That make so much money despite their but, awful But Rotten Tomatoes stuff. says don't. Somehow it's only Warner Brothers DC movies that are affected by right. their tomato scores. Makes box absolutely I, I don't no understand. sense. That is not how it works. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is as big as they think it is. Now, I do believe that there is a shift in things don't get me wrong i i do believe that it can affect what people want to watch but the over uh, overlying thing is that if somebody wants to watch something they're going to watch it the people who watch transformers don't care about reviews they are going to watch it what i think it hurts the most is for the indie movies and again it doesn't affect them fully but it does affect them partially because the only reason we know about them is because they're getting a little bit of buzz i wish rotten tomatoes wasn't the biggest thing yet we're making a segment on it which shows you that it is People know about it. Shows you that it is. I watch trailers for movies, and I think it's super corny. Yet it's reality. Mm-hmm. That Disney pushed Thor as fresh. That Get Out pushed itself as fresh. So they're putting it into the actual marketing. Yeah. Well, they know people understand and react to what these ratings exactly. are. You know, people, people, people see it as a sign of approval, some kind of stamp of quality. But it it's can mean so many different things, and. It just because it's got a consensus doesn't mean it's great. It just could be like exactly. everybody finds it above average. Uh-huh. It, uh, so I don't know. The, the delaying of the tomato score seems like a completely ludicrous idea. It is. Like we mentioned, it doesn't work. I, I understand maybe want to delay, wanting to delay it until a good chunk of people have seen it. See, okay, but, no, that, that's, a bigger, that's a different issue. Delay it until you get a certain, like what IMDb used to do, but that's like IMDb is right. a whole different thing. Get a certain amount of critics to watch it because I always yeah. think it's unfair. I see a thing and I'm like, oh, well, these are just like freaking Brazilian critics who are reviewing this Brazilian movie. Mm-hmm. Why is it that no one wants to review all those black films that come out and nobody wants to review them? I see and it's like a total of 80 and then I got 400 critics over here. Where did all these critics come A critic should 
watch every single movie. If they're mm-hmm. not watching every single movie because they're like, oh, well, I can't connect with that, then what the heck? That shows me your bias. Mm-hmm. A film critic is supposed to be a critic of film, not a critic of a specific genre or a blockbuster because it's going to get their newspaper or blog more views. Is that one of your major problems then with, with Rotten Tomatoes? Yes, what are your of, big problems? Yes, that is my biggest issue with Rotten Tomatoes. I look at it and I see the consensus and I only see a couple of people. Right. Or sometimes I see a lot and I'm like, okay, why a lot for this and not for other movies? Right. That's right. always bothered me. I've never understood it because then that brings up the next issue of, well, then do critics have a bias because they're saying they're not going to see Girls Trip over here because it's not their movie? Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of, for me, the amount of critics and the lack of distinction among critics Do you agree with is me? the chief problem. I, I think that's the chief problem with Rotten Tomatoes is, is not just the lack of some critics in certain areas, but, but just not being able to identify who's who and what's what. They have exactly. the, only, the only difference they make is they distinguish certain people as top critics, but as somebody who's been distinguished top critic on Rotten Tomatoes before, I can tell you it's just <laughs> about who, what place you write for. It's not about whether or not you're smart or you deserve that or anything like that. I, I was lucky enough to write for a reputable place mm-hmm. and they, they gave me the top critic rating. Now, that... Uh, the the way the, the fact that you can't organize more than that is a huge problem. You know, when when you're going to judge whether or not you want to see the new Justice League movie, if you're the kind of person who wants to see the Justice League movie, you probably don't care about the New Yorker's mm-hmm. review of it or Ooh. Film Comments review of it <laughs> or, or all these all these like yeah. pretentious uh, pretentious magazines reviews of it. And the same way that like I I don't care about what like Slash Film has to say about the Florida Project. Exactly. You know, so there there are certain places that are a little bit more equipped to handle certain things and and they're a little bit more in line with certain audiences and the way that Rotten Tomatoes just kind of smacks everything together puts the New York Times next to Joe's movie blog and only gives you the distinction by that little like green star it, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and that's not the way that movies are reviewed now like for me you know I if if I see if I see Edgar Wright give a movie a cosign on Twitter I think that movie's Rotten Tomato score should go up you know? I don't care what the Rotten Tomato score is at that point. All I care about is the fact that someone who I like liked it. You hit it. You hit it right on the thing. Right. If find the person, not people. What is this mom and dad? What is this? What is this hype beast thing? No, who cares about the general <laughs> consensus? Who do you share an opinion with? What professional who has to watch every movie so you don't have to? I'm, I get that. Tickets mm-hmm. are expensive, especially for your family. If you're buying a multitude of them, you have to rely on somebody else. Mm-hmm. So. Find that person who you like the most, who you agree with the most. Have that person be your go-to. Have a couple of people. I I know who my go-tos are, and if they Mm -hmm. mention it, I don't care what the Rotten Tomato score is. I go see The Book of Henry because of how crazy it was supposed to be. I go see iOrigins because someone mentioned it as being a good movie. It had a 50-something score. I saw it and liked it. Yeah, and and finding that person doesn't mean finding somebody who has the exact same taste as you, because chances <laughs> are there's exist. nobody out there. That don't exactly. exist. Exactly, exactly. It, but it's just finding somebody who approaches movies in the same type of way that exactly. you do. Who at least, like, you know, I, I know that if I'm going to read uh, one of David Ehrlich's reviews, I'm going to, to get something that's a little bit thoughtful and coming from a place of maybe more less appreciating mainstream and more being in the indie world. Yes. It, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to agree with every single thing he exactly. says. Exactly. Uh, but it will give me some insight into the movie. Yes. So, yeah, and I think that is really important is like being able to find the the people you agree with and the fact that Rotten Tomatoes be, yeah. is pretty much limited to 
uh, print publications and online publications. You know, there's like two or three YouTubers on there, not really a large amount. The fact that there, like I mentioned, no tweets on there when mm -hmm. a lot of the film critics I know they, if they don't get an assignment to write about a movie, they'll tweet their reaction to it. Like mm -hmm. all that stuff to me matters. And, and I think if Rotten Tomatoes can't find a way to help you align with people who have similar thought processes you or let you filter out some of these voices, it, it's, it's less of a useful tool. I mean, exactly. you know what, we don't know if 400 critics rate a movie, if 300 of them are dumb. Exactly. To put it to put it the way it is, the only reason Ron Tomatoes and the reason we're talking about them right now is because we've given them that power. We give them that attention. Yeah. I even see the junkies, the junkets that they do. They're not that. They're not good. Like yeah. they're really not. But they get the power to do that. And to to put it simply, Ron Tomatoes would not be what it is. Would not have the power, unless we do it. Unless we take it away, it would not have that. Should the way that Rotten Tomatoes gives out scores change? It right now you have. Certified fresh for the best of the best movies, fresh for movies that I believe are above 65%, mm -hmm. and rotten for ones that are below it. Most movies are just okay, though. So uh, I'm curious what yeah. you think. If no, you see, the thing, like I, w I was saying, I mean, just we were talking about this, the name, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese, like, yeah. Uh, Scorsese uh, criticized it. He said the name is insulting, and it's part of the reason why people quote, People who seem to take pleasure in seeing films and filmmakers rejected exist. Mm -hmm. So, and that's from someone who his films do well on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. But it's the idea of it. And the thing is, Rotten Tomatoes can do whatever it wants. It, it yeah. really can. Anybody can do whatever they want. Mumble rappers can do whatever they want. Mumble core movies can make whatever movies they want. YouTubers who vlog can do whatever they want. They only get attention and become big. When you give it to them. Yeah. That's what makes it big. This is what Rotten Tomatoes is. Rotten Tomatoes is the YouTube trending page. <laughs> That's what it is. It's and broken. You do, and you, it's broken and you do not need to give it attention unless you want to give it attention and yeah. follow whatever it is that they want to shove into your face. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, you know, you can't really get a very clear distinction on what these movies are from checking out its Rotten Tomatoes page. Uh, like I mentioned, there's the limited amount of ratings that each of these movies get, Certified Fresh, Fresh, or Rotten. Mm -hmm. y just the the fact that it's there's no like okay rating there is, is weird to me. Like it, there's, no, there's no real spectrum there. Uh, I feel like one thing I'd love to see Rotten Tomatoes do, just to sort of attempt to be a little bit better than it is now, is give out some kind of other score as well. You know, right now, if you go to a movie, well, they have page, the audience. You you have the audience page. You have the critic score, and you have the audience score. But I'd love to see like a divisiveness score, or not like like we mentioned, since it's just a percentage score. What about a weighted score? What about an average? You know, what if sixty percent of people like it, but on average, it's scoring a seven point eight. I'd love to see the disparity there, or just a little bit that's, more information than like. Five out of ten dentists yeah. approve. But that's Metacritic, and people don't go to Metacritic. I go to do Metacritic. Get, that's what I'm saying, though. We yeah. do. Yeah. Because that's the average. People don't go to Metacritic. They go to Rotten Tomatoes. So the issue isn't what Rotten Tomatoes is doing. Rotten Tomatoes can do whatever they want. It ain't illegal. It ain't bad. It's not even, like, morally wrong what they're doing. That's just the route that they decided to go on, that average. Whether we like it or not, then that means we go use another service. Problem is... People want to use this service. We've given it the power. You don't want, want you don't want Rotten Tomatoes to be big. 
then studios stop complaining about it, but also using it to your benefit on trailers. People stop using it to search up things that, you know, for ratings or whatever else. Actually, stop even giving it the attention. What we're doing right now is giving it the attention. But they're even undermining themselves, this whole see it or skip it thing. I disagree with that. That is the one point that I will disagree with it because I think every movie deserves to be viewed. It just depends where. Yeah, I mean, I don't... To say see it and skip... Well, go ahead. No, I I agree with you. I don't really like the premise of a show, see it or skip it. It's a little bit too reductive. Yeah, no offense to their host. Yeah, no offense to their host who actually I think (laughs) are good. good. I see. I saw the episode. I, I don't like it. It ain't for me. They're good Twitter follows, I'll say. But yeah, the, the show itself is not really fun. Uh, it, and I'll, I'll also say, like, you know, I understand holding the tomato scores off to try and promote the show, but that's not, then you're kind yeah. of what not happens, doing what your site is there for. What happens when studios start paying for it? What happens to the indies who actually thrive off that because they can't get any recognition unless it's like, oh, this is a movie that's doing pretty good. It ends up hurting people or, or hurting some movies and, or be manipulative to some other movies. Do you think Rotten Tomatoes would be a more useful or, or maybe just a more tolerable website if they removed scores entirely and just had quotes? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I would say uh, we do our, our first segment each week. Every single episode is what we watch and yeah. we never give a score. I don't care about scores. Scores are redundant. I want to know what a person has to say. That's literally what I care about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. There, there's movies that I didn't like, but was far more interested watching than uh, movies that I would call entertaining. I wish it, and, and I wish they promoted the consensus more. I'm actually yeah. fine with the consensus over everything. Like sometimes I look at it, and I'm like, oh, but actually it kind of gives a reasoning because even in the consensus for a for a, for a movie that has 55, percent it will tell you in the first line what's good about it and then what's not, and then yeah, you have those little snippet. consensus blurbs are actually very good. So yes, whoever I like writes the them is yes. is pretty solid. Because sometimes I see the consensus and what they're saying is bad, right? Yeah. But I'm like, nah, that actually sounds good. And sometimes they're bashing, or they're not bashing it. It's just the consensus of what makes it bad and that makes mm-hmm. it good for me. Right. And I'm like. Let's do it. Let's go watch it. Yeah. I, I know it's an uh, unpopular piece of advice, but really the best way for the Rotten Tomatoes problem to be solved is just read more, watch more, find people whose opinions you enjoy listening to and use them as guides rather than a cold, inhuman algorithm. Mm-hmm. But that takes time and that takes effort and nobody wants to deal with all that. So we should move on to our final segment. Art, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, when you go watch the movies, ask for no tomatoes. Just that's, that's all you got to do. You shouldn't have tomatoes in your sandwich anyway. So, yeah, there you go. All right, this is the new to see, starting with what's in new in theaters, November 22nd. Getting one big release, Coco. Uh, it's going to be preempted by a new Frozen short, Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Nah, I'm tired but uh, Coco is the new film from, uh, wait, is it Disney Animation, right? Yeah, Pixar. I'm not wrong, Pixar. Right? It's Pixar. Oh, it is Pixar? Yeah, it's my uncle. Oh, I got confused by, got by the no. Olaf. No, thing yeah. Well, I mean, they. I, I'm pretty sure recently Disney bought out Pixar, so they work together now. So Yeah, I guess thing, so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Art, you seem pumped for this one. Oh, uh, yeah, it's my. Pe- I have absolutely no idea what it's about other than Mexicans. <laughs> but I've been hearing good things I, I, on Twitter. People were talking about, like, there's a part that hits you and it's going to hit you. And I'm like, let's do this. Let's go. Yeah, we've had a bit of a lack of good a little bit of a dry? this year. Yeah. I, I'd say, like, Lego Batman is probably the best one. Good. Uh, so Pixar. that Coco's I want that all ready to maybe sweep away the best bro, animated. Bro, it's Thanksgiving last year. We had Moana. It's that time for that family film. I'm ready. Let's mm-hmm. go. 
Yeah, we need some good Pixar back in our lives. Uh, also in limited release this weekend, Chappaquiddick, the uh, film with Jason Clark, Kate Mara, and Ed Helms about Ted Kennedy, I believe. Uh, the Man Who Invented Christmas with Christopher Plummer and Dan Stevens. No, no Dan Stevens got to go away for a bit. He got to hibernate for a bit. The Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman, John Hurt, and Lily James. And Call Me By Your Name, Army Hammer, Timothy Chalamet, Michael Stolbarg. Most of these movies are only playing in New York and L.A. Yeah, uh, but I know I'm going to try and be- check this one out. You I actually to. am seeing Call you Me By to. Your Name uh, tonight. So I will oh, get back to you. Check me. out my Twitter yes. for my thoughts on oh, that. Because yeah, A Dude. lot of people are talking about that as one of the best movies of the oh. year and as a big Oscar contender. Yes, I will always... It was the final movie that I saw at Sundance. So just that alone, like I guess mm-hmm. the bias for it, the, what it means to me, but... The movie's just good, bro. Every time I see the trailer, the music is what makes it. Oh, the music awesome. is so good. And cool. the performance. So, uh, <laughs> and so everything makes it? And everything the cinematography makes it and the directing of Michael Starbuck has this really good scene. Ooh, yeah, everybody's gonna talking about... Cry. That one scene with between him and his son is so good. And the credits, the... Mm. Oh, the credits... He... Everybody's talking it. about Stilbarg being like just stealing the end of that movie. Oh, uh, yes. I, I'm so so excited. Uh, quick, Stilbarg or Sam Rockwell? Who's your better supporting actor? Why are you doing me like that? No, uh, uh, Rockwell. <laughs> Rockwell, like Rockwell, I think really got more into it. So in terms of acting, that mm-hmm. Stolberg is just. His acting is obviously great, but it's what he does that you like. You like him more as a person right. than more than the performance. You get what I mean? So, yeah. I get you. I get you. They better both get uh, noms, though, so. Yeah. New to streaming on Netflix on November 22nd, The Boss Baby. Yes. Finally can catch up with Alex Baldwin. Uh, and also Jeez. Godless. This is a seven-part series co-created by Steven Soderbergh, which is a Western Ooh. set in a mining town Ooh. where all the men died in a mining accident, Ooh. leaving the women to run things and uphold the law. I'm excited to check this one out. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know this existed. Yeah, Godless, man. November 22nd. Bro, this sounds like Why the Last Man, my favorite comic book series of all time. Definitely read it. And you said who? Steven Soderbergh oh. co-creating that. I don't know why I took off these headphones when I'm using <laughs> <getting into> the <laughs> headphones. Bro, that man's a genius. Yeah, that man's um, a genius. It's also, I, it also is uh, co-run, I believe, by Scott Frank, who did an interesting movie called uh, The Lookout a few years ago. He's a good screenwriter. I believe he wrote Logan. Could be wrong about that. Okay. Uh, so it, he's another guy to, to be excited for, too. You said Netflix. I, yeah, definitely want to check part. that one out. Good thing to binge over the Thanksgiving weekend, along with, on November 23rd, we'll be getting the She's Gotta Have It TV series for Netflix. Spike Lee is adapting his 1988 movie for the modern day. It's been getting some decent reviews so far, so I'll check that one out. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. why not? Yeah. HBO Go on November 25th is unleashing Kong Skull Island, directed by Jordan Vote roberts November 26th, Warcraft, directed by Duncan Jones, and on November 27th, Meth Storm, which sounds like a messed up spinoff of Sharknado, but is actually a documentary about meth coming across the U.S.-Mexican border. Oh, okay. <laughs> and on Amazon, November 24th, they are adding to Amazon Prime Video, Fences, the Denzel Washington film from last year, where yeah. he was nominated for a yeah. couple Oscars. Solid movie. Yeah. And The Big Sick, one of Art and I's favorite movies from this year. Uh, directed by Michael Showalter, co-written by Kumail Nanjiani, who also stars in it. It's a delightful comedy. Uh, so if you have Amazon Prime, it might be worth checking out. they got to fix that ending, and, though. <laughs> we and haven't then, talked about yeah. the ending, but there's an ending. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, I we'll actually agree with it. you a lot there. We should right, talk yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Big week for new to VOD, November 21st. We're getting Good Time, a really highly reviewed film directed by the Safdie brothers starring it. Robert Pattinson. I also missed it, so I'm excited to catch up with that. Maybe we'll talk about it a little yes. bit on next week's show. Um, also on VOD on the 21st, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which for some reason I really want to see. I don't know why I want to see it. It got bad reviews. I liked it. <laughs> I, I want to catch up with it so I badly. Like, it just looks bro, cool. No, it did look really cool. And I'm not a person who likes the fifth element too much or... Yeah. Uh, Whatever else he, he's done, bro, I went into there. Maybe it's because, like, I'm still rooting for, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Your boy, Dane DeHaan. I'm still rooting for him because Chronicle yeah. goes way back to, like, when I first was, like, I'm doing, I want to do this movie thing. And, yeah. like, I'm still rooting for the boy, even though I feel like he's, like, that guy with the inheritance who just blew all of his chances. You blew it. You blew it. You were the one. <laughs> um, and uh, eyebrows. A Cara Delevingne. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. I, think, I think she's great. Awesome. <laughs> I, like, I like her a lot. Uh, but no, she's in the movie, and even the Rihanna scene, which I was ready to rip apart, there's something about it. I just I keep was hearing really that the Rihanna cool. scene is like the best scene of the year. It's really or something. cool. Just a progression of it. Like I thought, this is what these types of movies. You know, like when people make fun of, oh, you're into like Battlestar Galactica and this other like weird interdimensional. I thought that's what this was supposed to be. Because like, no, I mean, you look at a lot of the big blockbuster sci-fi adjacent movies we get, and a lot of it is kind of like a CGI mess. And this seems like a movie that's really emphasizing the visuals Very and concrete. just the artistry of it. Very I'm, concrete. It's a whole world. Like, this is a world. And I, I appreciated that. Like, this is a world that there's more into it. I ain't gonna read into it, but I appreciate that there is lore yeah. there. I think you'll like it, dude. Because I do. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm so excited. On November 21st, also, The Hitman's Bodyguard, a movie that inexplicably spent three weeks at number one in the box office this year. Really? Do you even remember that? Three no. weeks. I remember, yeah. like, skipping it. Yeah. I do, I do uh, want to check this one out at home. That, that's one I want to check out at home. Another one is Leap. Uh, I skipped that one as well. Crown Heights. I think that one stars Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I saw it at Sundance. Nice. Uh, the Mule, which I've seen posters for everywhere for some reason. And Lemon, which I believe is Judy Greer's directorial <laughs> debut. No, no, no. It's not Judy Greer. Oh. No, she's in the movie, but she is, it is not her directorial debut. It is actually the guy who stars in Lemon. The guy who stars in Lemon, his wife. This is oh. her movie. She did a bunch of shorts. I, I caught this one at Sundance because uh, I like a lot of the actors in it. Like Judy Greer is playing like a blind wife, girlfriend. Yeah, you're talking about the actor Brett Gelman, who was recently in Stranger Things 2 as the conspiracy that theory boy. guy. Yes. yes. And he's fantastic. He's really good. I will say this. I did see Lemon in a midnight screening. Maybe that has to do with it. I was seeing a bunch of other movies. Mm. There is a style to Lemon that is just not for me. But there is so much style in this movie, you cannot say that they did not craft this the way they wanted it to be. I think she has a, a fantastic vision. I can't stand Lemon, though. Like, to me, it was just like, <laughs> what is happening? But there is a vision to this movie. Watch it at home if you want to, because they put a lot of hard work into it. Cool. It's not for me. Yeah, maybe this is one that you want to, like, test out the trailer for before you oh, uh, hit so that weird, yeah. rental button. Uh, we got to... We're, Getting towards the end of the show, Art, what is your pick for the week? My pick for the week, uh, obviously cannot be Justice League, but if you want to go out to the theaters, then go watch Three Billboards in Ebbing, Missouri. Watch it on a weekday, not a weekend when you're trying to line things up, uh, but definitely 
check it out because I think it, it, it's got one of the best performances and it's really good. Say you want to stay at home, you do have some action side if you want to see The Punisher. I only caught the first couple of episodes. I think it's pretty intriguing. I think it, it, it's pretty good to have in the background. Still a little too long for my taste. I cannot stand 50-minute episodes, 13, <laughs> whatever. A lot of it is fillers just adding up and then you mm -hmm. see the budget come in and they couldn't get good actors but the first episode's pretty solid you're like oh i like john bernthal he's pretty good if you want something a little bit more light my real top recommendation of the week you ain't got to leave your house just stay at home trust me on this one watch this and tweet at me american vandal blue yeah mind I, I adore this show oh this i haven't had this in a while it's one of those shows that i'm watching it and i just go i want to make that Yes. And it's not just the premise. It's just the style. It's the way it's approached. I was, like, inspired by it. Like, that is genius. American Vandal starts with one crass joke and extrapolates that into the best show of 2017 so far, in my I, opinion. Uh, it, it, with you, yeah. The way that it comments on the... The, the ending. True yes. crime genre, high school culture... It, it's such a smart show. Exactly. It is yeah. so smart. Yeah. And and that mixture of smart and stupid is just hits my funny bone in the right spot. Yeah, I, I so loved American Because it's Vandal. super serious and it's not at the same time, but it gets so into it and it's a very well-made show. And a lot of, here's my biggest issue because I was watching it and my brother and I were having this discussion because as we were watching it, um, his girlfriend didn't like it. She's like, it's dumb. And it's like, that's the sad part about it is that I know a lot of people are going to look at it and just think it's dumb. And we had a discussion after watching it. We both really loved it. We're both excited for season two. <laughs> the rumor is that it's a poop bandit who poops in the hallway, so they got to figure out who's doing it. I know it sounds like something that's a Will Ferrell, uh, Seth Rogen type thing, but believe us, it is not. Just yeah, like, go to the first episode. Episode five is insane. The camera yeah. footage episode, that is, that's, it, that's Emmy worthy. The, the way that it pieces apart the true crime genre and sort of shows you the construction of it and comments on the way that, you know, these investigations so become their own good. kind of fuel. It, it's just, it's a really, really smart show and you can't yes. let the so, fact that it's about yes. a stupid premise take away from I really hope take that away doesn't from ruin that. it for a lot of people because it's like, yeah. my mom loves crime shows but I don't know if she can sit through that. I know. The, premise of it, but I the know. thing is that it's so absurd but it's not like, I mean, it's a joke but... That can actually happen in the real world. It's just so yeah. crass, but definitely give it a, please give it a watch for you, uh, for <laughs> you. For the people. Mm -hmm. I'm 100% with the American Vandal recommendation. I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show as something that I love. You did, uh, that's, so, why, that's, why, that's why I watched it. Yeah, catch up with that. It's on Netflix. Uh, my pick for the week, I'll give you uh, one in theaters and one not. Uh, and I think I've already mentioned three billboards mm -hmm. in the past, but I'll, I'll bring it up again because it is one of the best movies of the year wide, and now it's expanding, release, yes. wide release. So uh, if you were not in one of the major cities uh, that had it before, you will hopefully be able to catch the movie yeah. now. Again, fantastic performance. It's got some serious stuff to say, but it's really yeah. funny too. It's playing so, everywhere uh, but Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That would, is that true? I wonder if that's true. I wonder, is that would, even real? That would have been funny. No, Missouri's not a real state. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Yeah. Um, but uh, my big pick for uh, the week, other than Valerian, which I'm going to catch up on and I haven't seen, is The Big Sick. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I guess we can maybe talk about what's not so great with the ending, but I think the first 80% of the movie is just really among good. the most charming romantic comedies that we've so. had in the past few years. 
Uh, it goes by a different structure than a lot of romantic comedies, mm. and I think gives each of its characters its due. Uh, you know, the characters really feel all necessary and relevant and full. Uh, it, a really unexpectedly great Ray Romano performance. Oh, I was just about to bring him up. Yes, he he just completely caught me by surprise it, with just how good he is both dramatically and in that awkward Ray Romano way. Has, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just a delightful movie. You know, it, a lot of people are going to be at home with their families uh, over the Thanksgiving break, and I think this is a pretty easy film to watch mm -hmm. uh, with with a crowd. You know, it's there, there's maybe a few sex jokes, but. Other than that, like yeah. I'm, I'm happy to watch this one with my parents. So no, catch up good. with the big sick. It's got Amazon Prime. Second best 9/11 joke that I've heard in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> a really, really good 9/11 joke. So, I, yeah. I, very uh, funny, man. Uh, that recommendation joke. alone, definitely check it out. <laughs> but that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter at zshevich or on Instagram, also at zshevich, and check out my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/MultiplexShow. Art. Where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show. Tweet me, Facebook me, Instagram me. I don't know if that's, you can Instagram someone. Uh, or just follow me on my main YouTube channel, the A to Z show, working on a couple of other stuff, uh, especially now that we get into the December season and all these like big movies that are coming out with Star Wars and a bunch of the Oscar contenders. A lot of stuff from Sundance that I now get to talk about, so I'm really excited for that. But I also got, a, uh, it's a project that I'm working on. A lot of people ask me to explain a lot of movies, and I know there's like shifting tones, my comedic tone, and then more of a like serious American vandal dissecting things. So I want to put more effort into my A to Z stuff, so you can check me out also on a channel called let me explain any recommendations you guys got i just pretty much just run down movies uh tv shows anything that i'm watching and then that way it's kind of like semi my review of it um but i'm a little bit more open it's just comedic in a sense and i just cover a movie and i truly get into spoilers which is really why i like making explained videos to explain why this is good in the movie why this is not and just run down the entirety of it so if you have any re recommendations go check out that but uh for the really big videos definitely go check out the a to z show got someone call me by your name coming up uh maybe one on three billboards but uh Ooh. yeah go check that out as well if not you can also find me here weekly on the intercut Yes, if you go to our Intercut YouTube page, you can see on the sidebar links not only to my Multiplex channel, but to Arts channels, both ATZ Show and Let Me Explain. But you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on SoundCloud and soon on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, though, where you'll find new episodes every Tuesday around noon Eastern. Also, like our Facebook, like our Twitter, like our Instagram, do all that stuff. We're at Intercut Pod. Easy to find us. Mm -hmm. For updates throughout the week, not just from the show, not just from me, just from art too. I'm retweeting stuff. I'm putting opinions out there and we're going to get a bunch of memes and stuff going. It, it'll be a good follow. Good, good Make time. sure you give it a follow. Mm -hmm. Give us that click. It's a really good time. Thanks again for tuning in, though, and until next time, everything I learned, I learned from movies. That's so, why I'm so good at fighting Nazis. It's true. Cool.